I can't even hear it. I don't even know what that noise was. The button. Oh, maybe it doesn't make a noise. Oh, wait. Crickets. Oh, now I get it. <laughs> you can press buttons and you don't get to hear all the sound effects. Yes. Let's, let's see. Oh, we can make our audience laugh. What is that? It's oh, laughing. Yeah, it's, there's a drum roll somewhere on that thing. I don't know. This is a theme song. Clapping. Yeah. Drum roll. We'll never remember this. No, we need stickers. <laughs> hey, I got that text from our last podcast. Yes. Where I was waiting for. Oh yes. The we're, feedback. We're, yeah. Well, partially because you talk more, and partially because we use facts. No, no, no. The text where. Yeah, the text where you were supposed to talk less. And yes. Yeah, that one. What so, was the response? Um, well, if you remember in our podcast, I told you I got this listener feedback that you should talk less and that I was waiting for this particular person to send me the text about their feedback that was received, and I got it this weekend. What did it say? LOL at listener feedback. <laughs> That's it? <laughs> Yeah, it was a weekend. It was probably busy. I was moving hmm. dirt around outside, so. Hmm. Hmm. So she tried again. Okay. Me talking less. Oh, boy. Did you know, when I was a little kid, my nickname was Motormouth. <laughs> this doesn't surprise me. I know. That's the worst part. <laughs> <laughs> like Who was, gave you that nickname initially? I, uh, probably my parents. I don't know. Okay. Yes. Um, hello, gave you that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Uh, welcome to the Round Barn. So let's talk today about Chekhov. So this has been in the news, hot topic in the news. Mm-hmm. And you're on Illinois Pork Producers Board. I am. Which is Chekhov funded. Partially, yep. Partially Chekhov funded. So for all those that are not like immersed in the checkoff land. Why don't let's talk? What tell us about what checkoffs are and where they're at, and then maybe a little bit about what's been going on in our friends in DC here the last couple of weeks. Okay. Yes. So they have been in the news because there's been some anti-legislation toward them. But if we take a step back and what is checkoff? And so I do sit on the Illinois Pork Producers Board. I'm an allied industry member, so I don't have pigs. I do not pay checkoff because checkoff dollars and checkoff programs are commodity funded programs for the betterment of that commodity. So they go toward promotion and education type of programs. So and there are percentage of sales, right? So that's yes. the ticket. So every time I sell a pig or I sell a cow or I sell corn or soybeans or any other checkoff, mm-hmm. dairy's got a checkoff, I pay a bit of a fee. Yep. So right one might now, call it a tax. I, I think it's 35 cents for $100 for that sale. So if you are a pork producer and you take that pig to the packer, you are, yes, kind of quote unquote taxed. That $0.35 cents per $100. Of value. Of value for that pig. And, and if I sell that. a wean pig, I'm taxed the same way. Yep, I should seed be trained. stock. Anything. Yep, correct. Only once per animal. Yes. So that's a fun little administrative game to play. So then the ticket is, right, these things are federally mandated because they're mandatory checkoffs. So they're part of the right. law. 
and USDA administers the program, but they don't collect the money. They're, no, they don't touch the money and they don't have oversight or regulation on the programs or how the money is spent. Producers do that. Producers do that. Yep. So Self-governed for, on how that money is spent. But they have to follow the rules. They have to be elected yep. and there's a whole bunch of policies. It's government. So there's right. a bunch of procedures and process and the like to go along with that. Yeah. So how that works is once that money is collected at the packer or whatever level it is for that pig sale, it's then funneled to National Pork Board. National Pork Board keeps a certain percentage of that money collected for their initiatives. And then they give a certain percentage of that back to the state where that money was from. So that's like a return to state dollars. So then Illinois pork or Wisconsin pork or whatever organization, commodity organization gets some of that money back to then spend on the same types of programs, but may have different impacts within their state or priorities. And what are those? What can we use that money for? Um, there are a few buckets, so promotion, research, and education. So education can be producer or consumer education. But not lobby. But zero money can be spent on legislative purposes. That's a whole different bucket of money. Yeah. So that's a big item. Yeah. Okay. So if we're thinking about this, and this is for all commodities, right? So every commodity, well, not all commodities, some commodities have checkoffs, corn, soybeans, cattle. And for cattle, like NCBA administers that, which is how pork used to be. Mm -hmm. So National Pork Producers Council used to administer the National Pork Board, and then they separated um, over over some potential concerns about mixing money for lobbying and not. So those are two separate organizations. But NCBA is one organization. They do both. They, for the cattle board, they administer that or the beef board. Yep. Uh, we got corn board and soybean board and right. et cetera, et cetera. So that model is kind of the same for every commodity. Mm-hmm. So what was this kerfuffle in uh, D.C.? Oh, some. I like the word kerfuffle. You've used that a few times lately. Yeah. Have we been kerfuffling around? Yeah, and and, and malarkey. (laughs) There are some words, there are just some good words we have to use in society. We don't use enough of them today. So there was a piece of legislation put forward um, that really seems to stem from animal activist groups about dismantling checkoffs. Um, Yeah, making them illegal, basically. Right. Which is interesting because... It really is not a government program where that kind of legislation to be put forward. So there's no taxpayer money involved. There's no USDA money involved. But this was put forward to say, get rid of them. And there's been some because you're you're a baby. There's been some long running controversy by really on the cattle side of cattle producers saying they shouldn't have to pay the checkoff. Okay. Because it's the mandatory voluntary thing. Yeah. So it's a mandatory checkoff and they don't like the word of a tax and that money comes back to something they don't have control over. And so there's a group called RCAF, which is kind of a competing organization to NCBA that is made up of NCBA National Cattlemen's Beef Association. And so RCAF is uh, R-C-A-L-F and don't ask me what the acronym is, but um, cause he had that look in your eye, like, Oh no, I'm going to ask him. And then I'm going to go, Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> but so our calf's been around, right. And basically saying we're independent cattle producers and we don't like supporting 
the big boys mm-hmm. and very much aimed at the Packers and, you know, this long discussion. So that helps agitate when our own side is saying, oh, we shouldn't have checkoff. Right. But this this was aimed at probably as much as pork and and beef as it or as it was at beef, right? I mean, and I don't think there was any discussion around corn and soybean checkoff. It was really the meat checkoff. It was activist groups saying, "Let's get rid of these because it will hurt the consumption of protein from animal products." Let's get rid of it. Yeah, great. So reality, right? That this could happen. Mm-hmm. What about? What's that mean for Illinois pork? So if, if uh, checkoff dried up tomorrow, what does that look like? What does that what does that mean to the average producer in Illinois or Iowa or Timbuktu? Yeah. So let's go back through what the program funds. So we talked about promotion, um, research and education. So what the entire goal of these checkoff programs are, are to make the market uh, to improve the market for the item. So I'm going to talk about pork because that's just the program that I know, right? So we fund research programs um, through Illinois pork producers that may have something to do with production or sustainability. Um, What Illinois pork producers is particularly strong at is the consumer education piece. And so we use checkoff dollars within like a marketing committee to say, how can we increase the demand via consumer education about pork being nutritious? How can we work with dietitians and influencers and athletes to say, pork is a really healthy protein. Here's all the information you should know about the consumption of pork and how to eat it and uses checkoff dollars to drive that demand. So those people share that message to increase consumption. That's where the whole DeBurger thing came from. (laughs) Yes. The the DeBurger, the... (laughs) Um, real pork or pork is the other white meat or... Can we talk about pork is the other white meat? It's not my favorite, but that was when I was a baby, so... Oh, using the kid, <laughs> using the baby argument again. I think it was, that could be one of the 10 dumbest marketing lines ever. Yeah. You're like a marketeer. Why was it a dumb... Maybe, uh, am I wrong? Because nobody really loves eating chicken. Yeah, and I look at it. So you're now trying and to now you're just scientifically inaccurate too. Well, yeah, and I look at it and say, you know, you talk to the chicken boys and they're like, oh no, we make a flavor vehicle. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we make a protein based flavor vehicle. We don't want it to have any taste. We don't want it to have any fat. We don't want it to have anything. So right. we can put stuff on. We make a chicken nugget out. We talk chicken nuggets a lot, right? Like we're making the innards for a chicken nugget. Yeah. And here we're trying to produce something that's in the center of the plate. Right. And yet we're trying to compete with something that tastes like nothing. Right. Dumb. That's not the tagline anymore. I mean, it's still out there. No, but I'm still mad about it. Okay. I get it. Because I'm old. I'm getting old and grumpy. Okay. Well, now I have to change and it's real pork. Oh, real pork as opposed to fake pork. Yes, exactly. Because we are battling against fake proteins. You told me I couldn't so use there's, it. You said I couldn't use the word fake meat. That was last week. Oh, Jesus, the rules change. <laughs> and because it, it's real people and real farmers and and kind of putting that message behind it. Um, but it's it's the got milk. That was, I think, like one of the dairy. Yeah, that was the milk mustache thing. Milk mustache. 
That was a really good marketing. The different kit. poultry ones. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's got kind of their tagline that helps elevate their product using these checkoff dollars. So beef, it's what's for dinner. It is what was for dinner, yes. Um so within like Illinois pork producers. We try to do most of our influence in Chicago, right? It's the thing that makes sense. Oh, consumers. Um, that's where the consumers are. Drive the consumer demand. Um, try to make cultural impacts because different cultures consume a lot of pork and using it as a vehicle for different types of flavors, really. Um, so we do a lot of programs with grocery stores, um, smaller ones and chains up in Chicago, Chicago suburbs in central Illinois. Honestly, we don't do a lot in southern Illinois because those people are already consuming pork. So checkoff dollars are intended to be spent to drive an increase in consumption. So what we'll do as like a marketing committee with Illinois Pork is we'll be presented with some options from relationships that um, one of our marketers within the staff has built and said, here's some coupon options. Here's some different things that we're working towards. Oh, here's coupons. what it costs. I love a good coupon. Oh, coupons. Coupons. <laughs> you got me saying coupon. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, because people will go and buy pork if they have a coupon that may not be buying it otherwise. So she'll present some options. As a committee, we kind of weigh out what our budget is, what we think our return to state dollars based on chalk off funds are, and make some proposals to then take to the board to say, here's what our money is coming in. If we have this many dollars, this is what we want to do um, and the opportunities. And here's why we think it will drive an increase in consumption, which is good for our producers in the state of Illinois and good for overall national or even global consumption. So if we're targeting, so you said we don't maybe target Clinton County because they, in Clinton County, for those you don't know, is just east of St. Louis. Yeah. Um, we wouldn't mind not target Clinton County or Washington County or other county down there because they eat a lot of pork. So we have right. data that would tell us that Clinton County eats more pork than DuPage County. Right. So we target based upon. And maybe that's per capita. Whatever yeah, yeah, is, per ca yeah. 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 Per capita consumption. Right. And then is there any other you said different cultures. So I presume some of that is kind of ethnic marketing saying yep. that that we have large Latin American or large Mexican communities that would have much higher pork consumption historically, yes. or, you know, historically we've had the South Polish on the South side of Chicago or whatever, right. And they would eat a lot more pork. Mm -hmm. So do we do that level of granular marketing or yes. is it just County level or what are we doing there? We are doing different ethnicity targets with grocery stores that the different ethnicities shop at, and we'll have an influencer go there, cook a meal, using the products from that store that the people in that region and ethnicity are following, watching um, in order to go to that store, buy that product. So we'll partner with a grocer and spread that message, or it might be an influencer, or it might be an ad, or it might be a gas station, closed circuit TV piece. And just every component of that is intended to drive the message to increase Demand. You can eat pork in more than one way. It doesn't have to just be a pork chop. You can make these different kinds Although of dishes. Well, that's what we had meals. for supper last night. It was very tasty. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But you know how to cook pork. And that's part of the message, too, that we use a lot of checkoff dollars toward. Is so how you're to make cooking pork it to 184? Is there a barf button on this thing? <laughs> no. No, no. What are we no. cooking pork to these days? 145. That's all? 
Oh, yeah. I thought it was going to get trichinosis from no, that. No, and then you take it off and you let it rest. And then it's moist. People don't like that word, but it is. It's juicy. It has high water cooling capacity. I did hear it. So we'll get on a sidebar, but it's an interesting thing. So we were at a barbecue last week okay. for a football game. Mm-hmm. Not last week. Not not the Purdue debacle. <laughs> the the uh, FAU, the four Atlantic, almost debacle. Okay. Um, so this is, uh, Illinois football team is supposed to be really good. And Here we not. are. We're not. Uh, so we're there. And so there's discussion about the ribs were super tasty. It was all so pork. Good. The ribs were super tasty and we're carrying on. Right. So we're having this discussion around what do you do and why was it good? So one of the things was when he was talking about pork, well, the goal is right. It has X amount of water in it. When you start, mm-hmm. that's a hundred units of water. The goal is to have as many of that it's just water. It's yeah. the moisture in it, right? And so that bit, and that's where the 145 thing came from, is how do I not boil the water off and how do I leave yeah. it and let it pull that moisture back in? And lots of, lots of goodness for... Yeah, those were good ribs. It's like dudes sitting around talking about stuff they don't really understand and trying to put science words to it. Yeah, a bunch of pig producers and veterinarians drinking beer, eating pork and... Pontificating. And talking about cooking methods. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> But there was probably more to do with the beer than there was the actual knowledge. Yeah. The knowledge got deeper the more bush lights were involved. Did it get deeper? Is that the right word? Oh, something. Yes, I got something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. So this whole legislation thing died. So that's good. It had no traction. But it's likely to come back. It always comes back. You're right. So we need to be armed with why these are important to producers. Yes, they pay into these programs for benefit of them. So in addition to the Illinois state commodity groups, uh, a chunk of that gets stays with the national commodity group. So national pork producers leads national and global efforts in order to drive that demand and increase local or domestic and global consumption. Of pork. Yeah, so they work a lot with U.S. Meat Port Export Federation, mm-hmm. right, to say how do we drive exports of what we're 30-ish percent of value today, 28 percent, something like that. Do you know that number? Of your I don't know. It used, I hope it's around that. Yeah, it's so it's interesting, right? We think about how much we're eating in Chicago, but really pork demand is a global thing today. Mm-hmm. And so that export market thing continues to be the driver. And even on beef, that's been the big change. That beef has gone from basically a domestic market to yeah. exporting almost as much as we are. Right. Do you know where our biggest export markets are? This is fun facts. Oh, off the top of my head, my brain is racking. No. Mexico. Oh, I did know that. Within whatever we call the new, the new NAFTA. Whatever yeah, the new yeah, NAFTA yeah. thing. Yes. Yep. So, yeah, we sent it hands. You've worked me too hard today. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's the first for everything. we had a <laughs> yeah. So, but that is an interesting bit, right? We don't think about that, but we sell more pork to Mexico than anywhere else. We talk about China right. a lot, but tonnage and value, I think, is Mexico by quite a big run. Yep. And it's a lot of hams. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of green ham. So we think about eating ham as a cured meat. And Nothing. culturally there, they eat that as a fresh meat. Right. And cook it. So as a roast. Yep. And so, right, I think those are the things that are always interesting on the marketing side about how do we drive that and how do we yep. sell the whole carcass. And and individually, pork producers can't do that. And they have to 
And that's the value of these groups is they pay in in order for these larger groups to responsibly send that money for the betterment of them. Yeah. And I, everybody gets all cranked because the Packers making money or blah, blah, blah. And why isn't the Packer funding this and yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. But the Packer is willing to fund branding on things that they can put their brand on. And so they promote bacon. Right? We don't have to go sell a lot of bacon. Right. You know, they can put their slap their brand on a bacon and go sell that. And they're pretty successful. But selling hams to Mexico, we don't put a brand on those. Right. We just, there's this ham. Yep. And it's U.S. ham. And so those are where really check off probably on the marketing side really makes its hay. Mm-hmm is pulling those kind of things, pulling little bits of carcass pieces that we can't remember when we kill a, when we kill any animal, harvest animal and, and butcher it, we had to sell the whole bloody creature. Right. You know, it's the old joke in the packing, right? Everything, but the squeal, literally yeah. that's true. And so it's selling all those other parts. And so, you know, the export value into China is stuff that if we don't sell it to China, it becomes dog food. Yeah. So we're not selling pork lines there, folks. We're, we're selling lips and tongues and cheek meat and, and we're, and Chekhov is, is selling pigs from the guy who's got a thousand sows down the road and Tyson, the same. That's exactly right. Yes. And so it is for all producers, which is why all producers also pay into the program. Yeah. And marketing all of the com- truly commodity bits. <laughs> That mm-hmm. can't be branded, that we can't add value to, that we add value to a carcass, but we can't add. It's selling pig lips into China, snouts into China or anywhere in Asia. Mm-hmm. It's consumed. It's actually somewhat of a delicacy there, right? It's demanded. Yep. We're not selling it. It's not garbage meat there. That's a that's a valuable right. piece. Like we think bellies are really valuable. They, you know, right. Snouts are valuable in some of their, their dishes and the pigs only got one snout and some more, more snouts, right. Any more mm-hmm. snouts. And so those things have value, but they're not branded value. And so if we don't, and it's a commodity. So if we don't promote the commodity, mm-hmm. we're in trouble. Right. So, well, we've probably droned on enough about check off. Yeah. But I think it's awareness for all of us that we have to pay attention to all these other things because it wasn't animal rights groups that put these proposals forward. Right. That's true. It was. They animal, got somebody else to do it. They got somebody, somebody else, else to else is do listening. it. And somebody else was listening. And it didn't go by with zero votes. That's exactly right. So every person that they draw in that just doesn't have an understanding of these programs and what they do. And. They were successful for some of those votes, tying it on to other anti-government votes. Yeah, that's and, the tricky thing when they just package everything together. Well, and they You're well not even on five things when you only care about one. Well, and they tied it. They sold the thing as an anti-government, and again, it's not really a government program; it's a producer program. Mm-hmm. But they said, "Ah, oh, the government shouldn't be intruding, right?" So they got some people who lean to that side of the aisle to say, hey, we shouldn't be doing this. So we got it. It was an odd coalition of the votes, right? I mean, there weren't very many of them, but it was the animal rights kind of lobby and the anti-government lobby that made strange bedfellows Mm -hmm. and pushed this thing forward a bit. Yep. So politics is always interesting. They're always going to come after us. The animal rights groups. Every day of the week. Yes. And try to find new and innovative ways to do it. And here we go. Well, anything else? No. Good. That's all I know about Chekhov. 
Fantastic. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and tell your friends about the Round Barn podcast, available on any of the podcatchers of your choice. In addition to this podcast, we offer a wide range of learning opportunities, including a Master of Veterinary Science degree. We're accepting applications for the spring 2024 semester. To learn more about this program, please visit vetmed.illinois.edu slash MVS. Thanks for listening.